everybody. Welcome to another yep. episode of DFV. I am Black Cinephile. I am the AKA Brad. That's the AKA Brad. Brad, how's it going? It's going good. That's it. This, that, that's that's it. Good. It's going good. Uh, I'm in the middle of renovation, so I currently don't have a kitchen right now. So that's nice. <laughs> you don't have a kitchen. Yeah. How uh, did that happen? I'll have to send you pictures like because it's being torn down, so uh, new cabinets and stuff can be put up. I thought all that stuff happens before you move in. Uh, typically, yes. <laughs> okay, this isn't a typical situation. <laughs> I got you. All right, man. Well, um, we got a special one today, man. I feel like uh, Swiss Army Man walked so this episode could run. Oh yeah. I feel like we got we got two lost at uh, we got two maroon slash lost at sea films about survival uh, uh, going head to head here. Yeah, this one actually has uh, people that are marooned and left stranded instead of people that just think they are. <laughs> Not in someone's backyard, right? Or something like that, and not and not not dealing with a farting corpse. One of them deals with a corpse, but it's not like you know a part of the plot, right? Uh, all right, man. We got two good ones here, man. Uh, one of these I've seen a long time ago, and I hadn't hadn't seen recently until now. Uh, and the other one is my first time. Uh, we got Castaway, the OG classic with Tom Hanks, and we got All Is Lost with Robert Redford. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that All Is Lost is the one that this is the first time seeing. It is. Okay. Yeah, that was the same you? for me. Uh, Castaway years ago. Um, I actually forgot how long Castaway is. Like when I was watching, I was like, the, I don't remember most of this movie. I remember all the island bits. So I same here. I don't I didn't remember a lot of it when I started watching. It. I'm like, oh, man, this is a very like like I don't say it's too long, but like it because it, it, it's not a slow paced movie. Mm-hmm. But like I was like, oh, man, I forgot that all of this happened. Right. You know what I mean, because like you, you look back on Castaway and you was like, hey, wasn't it just Tom Hanks talking to a soccer ball? Which like, you it know. turns out that Wilson is only in the movie for like maybe twenty minutes or something, but that's the, that's how I remember the movie. <laughs> right, right, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, man. So uh, you want to just hop into it? Uh, yeah, let's uh, jump into it. And uh, when watching these movies, I was thinking it'd probably be best to do chronological on this one. I don't know if you thought the same. You know, I was thinking we could do All Is Lost first because, you know, Robert Redford has seniority. But, you know, I'll I'll trust your judgment on this one. Okay. I think chronological might work. Yeah, I think chronological will work. So that puts us with Castaway in the lead here. Uh, Did you want to jump into this one or did you want me to take the reins? Uh, You know what? I can do All Is Lost. You can take the reins on Castaway. Okay. So... Castaway follows uh, the story of a FedEx employee named Chuck Noland, played by the great Tom Hanks, uh, who is on a plane that ends up crashing after an engine explodes. He gets lost on an island, and he is stuck there for several years by himself uh, before he eventually manages to get off the island and rehabilitate with society. 
Uh, that is the cliff notes of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's listen, when you talk about a, a quick synopsis, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, man who works for FedEx uh, takes a plane trip, plane crashes. Uh, man fights for survival over half a decade to uh, get off uh, to get off the island. Right. It, it, the plot is extremely simple. What makes this movie shine, though, is Tom Hanks's performance. Who, oh, dude. It's at, everything. Yeah. Uh, this movie, between this and Forrest Gump, I can't decide which I think is my favorite performance by Tom Hanks. Hmm. Interesting. Man, I'd even put his performance in Elvis up there. Even though he was annoying, I think that was kind of the point. He was good in that, but when I think Tom Hanks, it's first, it's you know, it's these two movies are the first that pop up is uh, you know, Castaway and Forrest Gump, like like Forrest Gump, Philadelphia, uh, you know, a few a few films do pop up. Um, Yeah, but you're right, you're right. This is a pretty great one, dude. I gotta say, man, everything in here just hits right. Is it Tom Hanks who basically this whole film is basically leaning on him mm-hmm. like you got to have the right lead to sell a movie like this oh yeah like, you got to have the right kind of actor to sell this but uh robert zemeckis man you want to talk about an mvp i mean his directing of this film is just top notch it's beautiful i absolutely love that this movie was filmed uh on three separate occurrences too because mm-hmm. it was filmed originally uh with tom hanks for a bit for the island uh, then they waited, or no, he filmed all the scenes where he was not on the island first. Then they waited, you know, about a year to film the rest of it so he could lose like 50 pounds. So you see a difference between him at the beginning of the movie and him on the island. And then mm-hmm. they waited another, you know, couple of months for him to be able to grow out the beard and everything for it. So this movie was basically shot over the course of I think like 2 years overall in order for them to get the approach that they wanted for it. I'm glad they took their time with it because um you know I, I feel like that's where you create the magic where you you I, I think the film wasn't shot in chronological order, right? Right. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They filmed like right, basically yeah. all the scenes with him off the island first. Then they filmed the scenes with him uh, after he lost weight, and then the future scenes. Okay. Yeah, dude. Um, the script for such a simple plot, man. The script is so beautifully written. When you when you think of the character work of um of Tom Hanks' character, what's his character here, Chuck? You know, when you think of Chuck and where he begins and where he ends, you know, he begins uh, giving that speech to um, the employees in Russia um, about, you know, FedEx and their mission and everything. He says, you know, we can't commit the, uh, the cardinal sin of turning turning our back on time. Mm-hmm. And all this this all this film really is about is time. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, especially when he has uh, the clock or what was it? The watch that was given to him by his uh, fiance. Mm-hmm. And he carries that with him throughout the entire movie and everything. As you know, everything's happening to him on the island, he always has that with him. And even though it doesn't work anymore, because it was set to her time, no matter where he was on his travels and everything, he would always have her time in mind because of that watch. And basically when he, you know, everything happened with the plane crash and everything, 
her time stopped. You know, everything in her life stopped in when it came to him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll and we'll we'll get to that. Um, yeah, man, everything uh, for a film made in the two thousand. Some films are just kind of timeless, dude. Mm-hmm. Like the the plane crash uh, sequence that was intense. Oh for yeah, two thousand film that was shot very intense, and it made you feel like you were actually a part of a plane crash. Yeah, watching as he's like trying to go across the plane to get the watch, and then he's trying to, you know, get everything together to get the life vest back on and everything, and he can't reach it in time. Uh, when the plane crashes, you have that like front view through the cockpit to see just the water right up ahead at they're heading straight towards, and then the rushing water everywhere around the plane. It it's a very intense scene. It is. It is. And uh, I like the whole sequence of him getting out and uh, being carried all the way to the top, uh, you know, of, of, of the ocean when he, when he has that that lifeboat. And mm-hmm. then him just holding on as like he's lost in this whole sea of storm and waves. And I'm like, dude, that's got to be scary as hell. Oh, yeah. This, this is literally like the nightmare for many people. This movie literally was like, hey, what can we do to bring everybody's nightmare onto the big screen but put the most lovable main character on there to make it like a very entertaining family movie with the most horrifying scenario possible. And I wouldn't even call this a family movie, to be honest, but I, I hear what you're saying. Like, um, you know, I think Tom Hanks had like a little gestation of the idea where he was like, dude, there's like a there's like a ton of FedEx films that FedEx planes that go over islands. Like one of what if one of those just went down? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was like the uh, the original gestation of the idea of Castaway. And yeah, uh, yeah it, it sells it, man, because like watching this film, there are some it's not a lot, but there are some dull moments because you got to remember there's one actor basically like carrying this whole film on his back for about three fourths of the movie. You know, uh, pretty much. Yeah, it, this is a Tom Hanks movie. Uh, there are other people in it toward the beginning and the end of the movie. But beyond right. that, this is Tom Hanks. And I love how they brought in the character of Wilson specifically because they had literally somebody on a deserted island that they needed to have talking happen. So right. they were like, OK, well, how can we have him talk without it seeming out it of place? Genius. It was genius because you don't want to lean on narration. Right. You know, I don't want to be narrated to for about two hours and 20 minutes, you know, and I, I think it's I think it's genius how we tra- um, we transition over to Wilson. Uh, this one scene, I, I you know, the scene when he first creates the fire, you know, he starts saying multiple things like fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got fire. I just imagine Robert Zemeckis saying offset. All right, Tom, cut fire. I, I made fire. Oh All yeah, right, Tom. Tom, cut, <laughs> baby. Won't you light my fire? And he just, I can just picture him just going over and over and making multiple takes of one. Basically, just having a full-on Robin Williams moment where it's just constantly going. Where they're like, "We're gonna run out of film before he stops talking, aren't we?" <laughs> or you know, the the fire's gonna get close to the film stock, and we gotta we gotta get him to stop. Right? Yeah, <laughs> he's just throwing more and more stuff in there. He get, he's getting lost in the role. Yeah, I, I absolutely love how, you know, you get to see him 
break open the packages uh but the one that has the angel wings on it he refuses to open because it seems like a special package because it has the drawing yeah. on it i noticed that yeah and i remember you know when we when we get to the end he was talking about how that passage package saved his life it took me until that moment to realize that's the one thing he never opened i didn't know mm. that yeah that was that was a plot point that i completely forgot about in this movie until right. I was rewatching it again, because I remember seeing like the angel wings during the beginning of it. And I was like, oh, wait, yeah, that's the lady for the end of the movie. I remember that. But it never clicked with me before. Oh, yeah, there was an actual like timeline. <laughs> it wasn't just him showing up at her house at the end of the movie. We actually did see her previous to it. Yeah, the, the movie ends where it begins. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um Man, the cinematography in this is gorgeous, man. Oh, yeah. Like, there'll be multiple moments where you see Tom Hanks just, you know, uh, walking about, and you'll see, like, the the sunset on the um, on the ocean or, like, when he's at the top of the uh, the cliff and you just see it off off the cliff. I'm like, dude, this, this has some great moments of, like, I want to hope that's natural light, but whatever it is, it's just straight-up movie magic of beauty. I got to believe that it was because they did film this one on an actual island. This wasn't like they built a set or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And the one shot that I absolutely love is when he was at the very top of the mountain and, and you just had that. Uh, no, not that scene. It was like the first time he climbed the mountain oh, and he's okay. just looking around and everything. And it has that like fish eye kind of view like the wide lens of you can just see like it's literally just water everywhere you know he's literally trapped on this island it's the first time that he like sees oh yeah when he's look i got you yeah Yeah. that was a great that was a great shot oh i absolutely love that scene like that one it really captures it because you have the back of his head as he's like turning and seeing you know that he really is stranded here there's no land anywhere else there's nowhere else for him to go this is it Mm-hmm. definitely man um what i wanted to say was uh dude i love the scene of him uh now yeah after we no here's a scene that made me really feel his pain like this is a, like this is like a great visceral performance dude like the scene where he like knocks out his tooth oh with the ice skate scene. yes i was looking at that scene mm-hmm. i was like oh man that's gonna hurt and then yeah. you hear the you hear the crunch you hear the click and, you, and he goes ah. Oh. And he just passes out and then all of a sudden you go four years later and i was like wow that was a yeah. great transition oh yeah uh and not only that but i love how when we transition those four years we see him like with the beard like he's really been there a long time uh wilson now has hair from all the grass and everything <laughs> right right uh, i thought that was just the, the soccer ball as it dies out it just kind of Parts of his innards kind of grow out, but he—I guess that—that was that was grass. Yeah, that was just like leaves and grass and stuff that he like put in there for hair for Wilson. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, man. Like on, only an actor like Tom Hanks could make you feel emotion of a man crying after a, a, a volleyball. <laughs> Wilson. Yeah. turns out you can still buy a wilson volleyball with the handprint and everything on it they still sell them <laughs> oh wow where do they sell them online yeah the company that makes the volleyballs they still sell the wilson uh castaway volleyball <laughs> yeah man that whole thing wilson 
I'm sorry, Wilson. If, if, if you just hop into this movie out of nowhere, you'll probably think this is a comedy. But like, as you see the trajectory of this man being marooned for so long and having nothing but a, a soccer ball to talk to, that's a very emotional scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, especially because he's literally trying to get there and he doesn't want to leave the boat behind because that's his only, you know, life support at that point. And so he has the rope and he's trying to pull it and everything. And it's just he can't swim fast enough to get back to the current and everything that's taking away Wilson. And it's like, oh, that's and he's like apologizing to it. And then he goes back to the raft and. You know, uh, that one whale was just following him the entire time, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a beautiful scene, too, with the whale. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, man, that's one of the few things I remember about this movie. Uh, him getting rest, him going back to re, uh, reality, him going back to civilization in the end in the Wilson scene. Like, it got so bad. Uh, my dad and I around the house used to yell just with, with no nonsensical reason at all. Wilson! Wilson! Yeah. It- to the point where my mom was like, <laughs> shut up! <laughs> like, like we've been took that movie back to Blockbuster. Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> it's not here anymore. It can't do anything. Just stop it. <laughs> right, right. Um, what was I about to say, dude? I love the beautiful scene of him, and I mentioned this before, him going up to the cliff to find more rope to make the boat. Oh, uh, yeah. Go out there. Because I like how that connects in the end because he tells Wilson, like, no, I, I, there's one place to go, but I, I don't want to go back up there again after what happened. Um, yeah, I know it's 30 feet of rope, but I'm not going back there. Right. And I love how in the end, when he's talking to his buddy, he's like, man, like I uh, it got so bad, man. I almost tried to uh, hang myself. And then that's why you remember, like, oh, that's why he didn't want to go back up there, because that's where he tried to hang himself. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love how everything ties together in this film, from the angel wings to certain little bits of moments that we lost within that four years that get clarified. Like, everything comes full circle throughout this movie. Well, it's not only that. When he's talking to his friend, he's also talking about that moment where he tested it. And you saw the tree stump that he was using, like, as a body double attached to the rope and everything. And he goes, yeah, and when I tested it, it went down, it broke the tree branch, and at that moment I knew I had lost all control. I couldn't even kill myself, you know, in my own way. Yeah, yeah. And then he talks about, you know, I knew, I realized at that moment, like, the best thing you can do is just keep on living. Right. Um, Dude, I love, like, like when he gets, uh, after he gets rescued and everything, I love how... um, they got him in his hotel room. And this is like right after the heartbreaking scene where he meets, uh, well, one, he finds out his, uh, his his girlfriend, who he was actually about to propose to before he got, you know, marooned, mm-hmm. uh, re- ma- married and has kids. That scene with the husband, dog, that just, that almost threw me, man. Where he's oh, yeah. like, he shows up like, hey, man, um, I'm, I'm her husband. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, she 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 couldn't make it. You know, she she's been through a lot because uh, he doesn't really know what to say. But then you kind of look outside and you realize, oh, wait, she is there. He's mm-hmm. trying to stop her from seeing him because she he knows how much she's been through with the whole thing. And it's kind of douchey, but you, you kind of like understand. trying to protect her right. you know, because she he knows that it's going to hurt her even more with him being back around. Right. 
right? And it's it's you understand from his standpoint, but from Tom Hanks' standpoint, you're just devastated. Like, man, he didn't even get to say hi to his woman. You know, I, I think um, he understood it as well, but at the same time, he was he needed that closure, and that's why he goes to her house to actually see her. Right. But before we get there, I love how in the hotel room, um, this is just great set design. I like how when everybody leaves the hotel room, they give him a hug and say, man, we're so glad you made it. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything that he went through on the island is kind of spread out on the table. You see a crab. You know what I'm saying? You see some fire. You see a locket. You know, like everything Mm -hmm. he kind of pulls up are like like like. victories that. that he had while on the island they're just all here as nothing more or less victories memoriams like uh, i don't think that's the right word but things that remind him of his time on the island yeah you know what i'm saying and i like how in the end him and his boy are talking about uh him and his friend are talking these are both guys that in a way have lost their their women one mm. guy has lost his woman to another man one guy has lost his woman to cancer but they're both they both have lost their rock in a way. Right. And, you know, they're having a man to man, friend to friend moment. But, uh, dude, I love the reunion with him and Helen Hunt, man. Like, and I even liked how they they had a moment where they injected some humor where he was like, uh, so let me get this straight. You telling me our uh, our city has a has a baseball team now? Oh, like, yeah. Like yeah, we have a national right. team. And they're not even in the pros yet. <laughs> right. Like after all the conflicting emotions he just he just like goes right to that like oh we we got a team now yeah um but i love that scene though i like the scene where where he, he's about to drive away and he's like you know she was like you said you were coming back he says yeah i know i'm sorry and she runs out to the car but i like how he um uh, because this is the way it kind of has to end like mm. i like how he says like i can't i can't take you away from your family like you you got a family right um, it's been four years you moved on i came back as a ghost i can't just expect you to drop everything that you've rebuilt yeah and uh yeah man that's a powerful scene dude i don't know if i'd be able to do that man would you be able to just say goodbye it, it'd be rough but at the same time yeah that's an iffy it's hard. one because that she kind of kept him alive though you know what i'm saying right yeah, like like she like the memory of her kept him alive on that island. Like getting that, back that, to her and finally fulfilling that promise is what made him drive to finally get back. Fair enough. That's fair enough too. Um and I just love where it ends, dog. I lo- I love how my man is like literally at a crossroads at the end. Oh yeah. And he, and he just has to find a road to uh to go down. My wife had thought that maybe he went down the road with the woman with the angel wings and that became his new his new girl. But I'm like, I think it's a bit more optimistic than that. Like, yeah, that probably happened. But mm-hmm. the fact is, he 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 gets to choose a new direction now. You know what he I'm saying? has control over where he goes. That's exactly. where the optimism in that scene comes from. It's not, oh, he went and got a new girlfriend. No, the optimism is for the first time in four years he can make the choice of what happens next. He has the opportunity to go wherever he wants and nothing can stop him. Yeah. Cause I, I hope he doesn't go back to that job. You know, um, the job literally did strand, leave him stranded. <laughs> but, uh, I think was that job, you know, it, it, it was pulling him from either which way he was going overseas back and two, back and two could barely spend time with his woman. His ba- pager almost always went off. Like I hope he does get a new career. 
Yeah. I mean, at the same time, he's also set for life when it comes to the story rights and everything. Because that one lawyer was talking with him about, you know, having the story rights or the rights oh, to his story and stuff. Yeah, at the party. Uh, oh, yeah, the one that, that his buddy, dialogue. like, takes him away from is like, yeah, I think uh, Chuck needs to rest now, guys. I think it's time to kind of leave him alone, you know, let him have some peace and quiet. He, that's who he's talking to. It's one lawyer going, yeah, I'll call you. I'll call you. We'll, we'll get this sorted out. He could be set for life, though. It's an amazing story. Oh, yeah. He could be set for life, man. Um, I pretty much went through all my notes. Uh, you got anything else to add about this? Nothing else, really. Um, I do like how it does end on that ambiguous note of, you know, we don't get to see where he decided to go next. You know, we have that inkling he decided to go back to actually talk with the one girl with the angel wings and everything like that. Uh, I do like that at the beginning of the movie, we do see that uh, she has a husband that is cheating on her in Russia with that one package. The first package that we like see travel through FedEx. Oh, the cowboy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was her husband. Yeah, the first package that was being delivered and stuff like that, because when he oh. opens the door and, you know, he has the one girl on uh, basically wrapped around him and he just goes, oh, it's a package from my wife back home. Hmm. Yeah, you you are you are right about that. I forgot. I, I missed that, man. Yeah. So we know oh. that basically FedEx, you know, was a big part of her life. It's a big part of his life. So they have that connection there. And assuming that she didn't find somebody in the last four years, uh, she is also probably single at this point too. Right, right, right. Hey, it could work out, you know, she's, she was a good looking woman. So, you know, Oh yeah. You know, you know, it could work out. (laughs) Uh, yeah, man. Uh, great movie, man. Oh, absolutely. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think before we rate this, do you think Tom Hanks, do you think Russell Crowe deserved to win over Tom with gladiator? Because uh, Gladiator was a great role for it, him. It was. That's. But he so, didn't carry Gladiator like Tom carried this. No, this one was definitely because this movie would have flopped with most other actors. Like mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, you you might have a handful of actors that could carry this movie the way that he did. But overall, I couldn't imagine anybody else in the role for it because he's the only person that can create that character that you care about so much that's literally the only character on screen. And when he loses a volleyball, he is perfect at making you realize that was his only friend that's now drifting away. The only person he had in his life for four years is gone now. You know, you can see that pain and everything. And Tom Hanks is great at that. He is great at emotional drama pieces when it comes to showing that kind of emotion. So do I think that, you know, Tom Hanks should have won? Yeah. Uh, Am I upset that Russell Crowe won? No. (laughs) No, No, I'm not upset because Gladiator is a great movie. Right. So Russell Crowe winning? Didn't upset me. Did I still think that Tom Hanks should have won? Yes. Yes, I do. I got you. I got you. Um, hey, man, I uh, I get us a 4.5. Uh, I think this is ahead. a 5 out of 5 for me. Really? I think the only thing that's holding me back is like there was a little bit of lull throughout the movie. But like, again, I, I kind of get it because he's marooned and you're, you're depending on one actor. But yeah. 
Yeah, um, I didn't think that there was really a lull. Personally, I didn't get that vibe at all in this movie. Uh, mostly because it basically showed him trying to survive. It showed him, you know, learning how to do, you know, everything he needs to to survive on the island, creating the spear, creating the rope, getting fire mm-hmm. for the first time, you know, finding the cave and everything. Uh, he finally has a friend. It gives him somebody to bounce off of a little bit with the volleyball. Uh, you get attached to it because, honestly... That's one of the things I remembered most about this movie was Wilson the volleyball, which he's only in about 20 minutes of the two and a half hour runtime of this movie. Yeah, yeah, he is like Wilson of this movie is like Hannibal Lecter, the silence of the lambs. Anthony Hopkins isn't in that movie long, Mm -hmm. but he left such an impression that when you think of silence of the lambs, you think of Hannibal. Right. Yeah. You know, there's Clarence, there's Clarice in Buffalo Bill. But you think of Hannibal. You, you, you know what I'm Hannibal Lecter is the name that you think of, except for the it puts the uh, lotion in the basket. I think that's the most famous scene from that right, movie. Right. But beyond that, it's Hannibal Lecter, <laughs> who was a side character in that movie. Yeah, he really was. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, it's a great movie, man. I mean, it holds up uh, 22 years later. Like I said, Robert Zemeckis, uh rarely fails you know this, oh, yeah. this is the same guy that gave us back to the future one through three uh polar express flight the the man rarely fails at making emotional spectacle oh for sure yeah i enjoyed it man all right uh ready to head into the next one i am ready to head into the next one i don't know how we're gonna talk about this i mean i got things to say uh good things to say but this one uh this one is clear cut man uh, so we got uh, we got All Is Lost, written and directed by J.C. Chander. And uh, we got this with Robert Redford in the lead. And uh, yeah, this isn't really hard to summarize at all. This is basically about um, main character who was pretty much unnamed, uh, played by Robert Redford. Uh, he's um, he's out in, he's out in the Indian Ocean. You know, he's um, we fought we. This movie starts off with um, a shipping container that pokes a hole into his um, in, his, in his boat, you know, um, and from then on, it becomes like a I, I want to say like a balls to the wall, eight day survival mode of mm-hmm. him going from boat to lifeboat to life jacket. Well, there's different things that happen, but it's basically him trying to survive out on the ocean. Um Dude, I like how like I feel like this movie is like the independent answer to Castaway. Yeah, this is the basically it's the other side of the fear of being stranded in the middle of the ocean. Because with Castaway, right. you're stranded on an island. You have some resources. You have food and everything like that. There's ways mm-hmm. to you know get by. It sucks, but there's ways to get by. Uh, being on a boat. He does have resources on the boat and everything like that, but he's still stranded in the middle of the ocean. He has no way to retrieve new resources that he needs. Yeah, this this can only last so long. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? On a boat. Um, let me break down to you folks what kind of movie this is. Like This film in total has only like 51 spoken English words in general out of a 108-minute movie. A 105-minute movie. And About 50 of those words are in the beginning monologue. (laughs) Exactly. You know, the beginning monologue where he kind of like 
um, you, you feel like you're reading a note, a farewell note where he says like, hey, man, I tried to fight the good fight. Uh, at this point, all is lost. I'm sorry. And I'm like, well, that's a heck of a downer way to start this film. Telling me he dies, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I, I love the the lingering shot on a shipping container that kind of causes everything in, in the beginning as as the as the note is being like narrated by Robert Redford. Yeah. But yeah. Most of the dialogue here is a uh, help. Hey, over here. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like Robert Redford tries to do something that doesn't work. And he goes, Shit! you know, like uh, that's pretty much. Uh, most of the dialogue being spoken here, but what I love about this movie and how he carries it is, um, dude, his facial expressions are like can can like are, can say like a thousand words in each moment. Oh yeah, which most of this movie he just looks like an annoyed old man. Like oh, right. you got to be kidding me. This is really, you know, <laughs> right? Like his face is Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. Right. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> But I do love uh, how literally he has to repair his ship and everything. And they put a lot of detail into how he was going about, you know, repairing the ship, uh, handling the ship and the problems that he was occurring. Because at first you have the hull gets breached. So Mm -hmm. his first goal is to get the ship off of the shipping container that has run into because he's stuck on it. So he uses one of the sea anchors to, you know, dislodge it and everything. He goes back and then he uses the same anchor to kind of tilt the ship in the opposite direction of the hull breach so he can, like, paint over it with... I can't tell what that was. It was kind of just, like, a quick dry... Yeah, I didn't know what that was either, but it was very inventive. Right. So... It's a very slow thing. You see him make the mixture, and then he, you know, mixes it. And then you see him, like, start painting it over the ship. And then you see, like, I guess a couple hours later where he's still doing it. And you can see that it's now, like, a full thing. And he goes on the inside. He, like, taps on it. He, You see him actually, like, taking the bucket and, like, draining the water from the boat. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very slow movie that it takes its time showing you exactly what he's going through. Yeah, I mean, this film really is bare bones survival. That's what this movie is. Yeah. Uh there there is an art to this and it is an art that I respect and that it's um like I said, it's the independent answer to Castaway. You know, we don't we don't have a Wilson on this ship. This is really an old man just trying to get out of this tough situation he's in. Mhm. Yeah, and it do- we don't find out what his name is we don't know what he was doing on the boat in the first place other than it it just seems to be his boat that he was kind of there on uh he has a bunch of equipment and stuff to survive but obviously when things go bad you know he loses a computer he loses his navigation everything he loses all forms of communication because that gets destroyed uh the batteries for the motor on the boat are gone so he has no way of doing anything except for using the wind to his advantage uh eventually a storm comes and basically capsizes his boat which forces him on the life raft where he has even less stuff to basically survive and when he finds out that, like, even that little bit doesn't really help him. Like, he has a sextant, 
but he has to learn how to use it. So you actually have this long part of the movie where he's, you know, learning how to use it. He's going through the manuals. He's trying it. He's making marks on a map to track where he is and where he's going to follow the flow. The coldest thing for for me was like the solar steel he created. Yes. Like, like to make fresh water. And I was like, man, that is smart. That is yeah. smart. Yeah, it's I actually not- had to look up how that works because I didn't understand it when he was doing it. Because I was like, okay, so he's putting the salt water that's undrinkable. Because this happens after like he had pumped drinkable water into this uh, jug in, in case right. something happens. And he had that as a reserve, but it got contaminated with salt water because one of the uh, plugs got un- or one of the caps came off mm-hmm. during uh, one of the storms. So it got salt water and it became undrinkable. So he cut it out, filled it like the bottom with salt water, put a can inside of it and then covered it with like a plastic wrap. And then all of a sudden he had like clean drinking water. I, I did not understand that at all. I actually had to look it up to see what he did to make right. that happen right i like to like to understand like um like, like how you can do that yeah uh this film teaches you a lot of lessons like oh, yeah. i mean goodness for i mean god forbid we ever catch ourselves in something like this but uh like this 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 film is like for something that um has no dialogue it really says a lot with the act with the things that happen mm-hmm. um because i really like how the title the title rings too is that like as the film goes on it really starts to feel like all is lost. Like you go from the boat to um to 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 the life raft, and then you know things get a little bit uh you know dicey from there. Uh, yeah, and I like how um dude, I I I, I kept feeling like my heart was dropping, dude. Like when the um when the shipping container came by. Oh yeah. He was signaling the flares. I'm like. Who, nobody sees this? Well, the first one, it was just the one flare that he was, like, flailing around. It was like, okay, you know what? They didn't see it, but he's still on the course. The next one will get him. And then that's when he had, like, the flare gun that, like, shot up into the air and stuff. And it was like, okay, they got to see that. It's a giant red ball of light that right. is in this ever-looming darkness of ocean. It's somebody on the crew has to be awake and just going, hold on. That's not normal. <laughs> right, right. But then, you know, uh, nothing happens. And you go, wow, I, I guess all really is lost at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, that shark scene had me worried. Oh, where, like, he caught the fish and then it got, like, taken by the shark. And you see that he's literally surrounded by sharks underneath. Yeah. Because I'm like, I know they ain't going to do Robert Redford dirty like that. Right. I know they ain't going to do him like that. Because I was like... It's like as the, as this film goes on, you become more and more worried for this guy. Like oh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how he's going to get out of this. And um, I was about to say something else. The underwater cinematography was pretty beautiful in this movie. Oh yeah, like when the boat's going underwater, when like the raft that he's on is basically sinking and flipping around and everything too. Yeah, and then you see the little fishes like swarming around. Yeah, like I thought that was I thought that was some beautiful camera work. Um, but dude, it's really the ending that had me like, man, I don't know, because you know he he creates a signal fire because he sees a faraway light on 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 the ocean. He, we don't know what the light is, yeah. so he he creates like a little signal fire. He starts throwing more and more stuff in it, 
in my mind, I'm going, all right, that's enough. You got to remember, you're, you're on a little you're yeah, on you, a little life raft. You're, you're on a one-person life raft here, and you're starting a fire now. You know, like, you can only like, go like, so far. And, yeah, it ends up engulfing the entire thing. And this movie, I was pretty sure, was going to end on that note with him just falling into the ocean. I was like, that is a downer way to end this movie. But, man, is, is that man. balls to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and it would have been slight. It would have been a downer, but it would have been earned. Right. Like he he fought the good fight. He tried. He did everything you know, in his power. Yeah. But you know, lo and behold, somebody swims up, and I love this. I love the the cinematography of this shot. How you see somebody up above shining a light, and then you know Robert Redford starts to go, "Wait a minute," and then he starts <laughs> to swim up. That is something. <laughs> right. 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 And uh, just before the hand was just before he grabs the hand to pull him out the water, it ends. And I'm like, that was a perfect ending. Yeah. Yeah. It, it ends right as he grips the other person's arm. You know, like you don't see him get pulled up or anything. It's literally it, they took Robert Redford as the only character in this movie to the extreme to the point that the guy, you know, that saves him isn't even shown on camera. Right. We don't even know who he is, what he looks like. Right. Whether he's a mirage, a, a, a water mirage. Right. We that was another nothing. thing that I was even thinking is maybe that was it for him. Like as he was sinking, you know, it, that was just a mirage to him to like sully his mind a bit as he did actually continue to sink. I guess I guess that depends on whether you're an optimist or or, or a realist. I got to be optimistic. I think he did get saved. Right. Uh, but that that is a possibility. But yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this movie. So I was reading up a little bit on it. Apparently the script was only like 31 pages for the final draft of this movie because mm-hmm. there is no dialogue. There's nothing to fill the script with. It's all just stage notes. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I wonder, um, you know, Robert Redford has always been a great actor, but I wonder what, what caused him to say yes to this movie. Like, you know, him and, JC met at the at the Sundance Film Festival, which he he founded. And mm. I wonder what like he made him do it. Like, you know, because it is an interesting role to take. And um, like I said, not many actors like this and Castaway can kind of like carry a whole movie. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Like, um, you know, I really the, the connecting link between these two movies are being like lost at sea, lost on an island. But it's really about actors carrying like 95 to 100 percent of a movie on their own yeah when you don't have anybody to bounce off of this really shows like where your acting prowess is and yeah yeah, robert redford is for somebody that didn't have any lines of dialogue you were able to tell how he was feeling and what he was thinking throughout this entire thing and with all the situations that he was put in you could tell you know the times he was distressed the times that he was just kind of annoyed with something the times where you know he literally was just losing it like he thought that all hope was gone you know like when he starts drinking the water and he realizes it's contaminated you you feel for him you know i didn't even catch that at first i just thought the water tasted bad but then uh um then i thought that i remembered oh wait he's been flashing and splashing around this whole time like that that has to have some salt in it yeah yeah but uh yeah I, got, there's not too much to say about this movie because that's literally all it is it's him just surviving 
you know, in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, and um, the film stays true to what it is, and it uh, it nails it, man. I would give this a straight four. Yeah, I agree on that. This is a four out of five. It's It's got a lot of greatness going for it, um, but it is pretty slow at times. Uh, yeah, just you, you got to be locked in. Yeah, um, like the scene where he's like climbing up the pole to reattach, you know, one of the motors for the sail so he can turn in everything like that. And then you see him climb all the way down again. And it's just like, OK, I get it. It's it's a you know, it's a lot of work for him to do this and everything. But it, I get that there's a great attention to detail, but then there's an over attention to detail. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at it this way, man. I, I feel like a movie like this, if if you give it if you give it your attention, you you get rewarded in spades. You know mm. what I'm saying? It's one of those films you gotta be patient with to get rewarded in spades. That that's how I look at it. Right. Yeah, man, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. So um well I guess when it comes down to it, it's simple. Castaway wins, huh? Yeah, um I think Castaway definitely wins. Okay. All I mean, right. It's the classic. It's it it's going to take a whole lot for like a stranded by yourself movie to beat Castaway. Even Swiss Army Man couldn't do it. Swiss Army Man had a dead friend. <laughs> That's so, true. I mean, he, he wasn't really stranded <laughs> alone. That that Wilson could actually talk. Right. Uh, Whether it was actually alive or not is different, but that Wilson could talk. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, all right, man. What you been watching lately? Um, so I guess we got to give our weekly update on Better Call Saul. <laughs> oh yeah, BB. We watched the episode Breaking Bad. Yeah, uh, loved it, man. Oh, absolutely. That cameo was the perfect way to do the cameo, and I love how people online were like arguing. So, spoiler warning uh, for anybody that hasn't seen. Oh yeah, you know what time it is. Yeah, if, it's... If you're not caught up. To Better Call Saul. Get get out of here for a while. Uh, but yeah, I love how people were like fighting over like, is Brian Cranston going to shave his head? Is he going to do a bald cap again, like El Camino? And all of a sudden, he shows up with a hat on, and it's like. Nobody even thought of it. He just wears a hat. It's so simple. Oh, I didn't know that was going to be a big deal. I mean, I, I, I didn't. I wasn't really worried about. That. Oh, it I wasn't was a big deal. It's just one of those things oh. people joked about because he wore like a very obvious bald cap for the El Camino uh, cameo he did. So everybody was okay. going, is he going to have a bald cap again or are they actually going to make him shave his head for the Better Call Saul cameo? I'll say this. Aaron did look noticeably older. He did. It, was, it wasn't a big deal, but I was like, yeah, it's kind of hard to like knock that illusion. But, you know. Yeah. For being like the younger Jesse Pinkman. Uh, yeah. Right. he. I don't want to say he was bad, but it felt off for him trying to be the younger version. <laughs> I'll say this. Um, who's my man? Jesse Plemons gave a great performance to El Camino. But you you saw the weight. Right. Like, you saw that you saw he was extra. different. Yeah. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, uh, it, it didn't disturb the illusion too much of a flashback sequence, but you you noticed it. Yeah. Uh, that's like <laughs> that's like if Brandon Fraser tries to do the mummy now. And you're like, <laughs> Brandon Fraser looks a little different. <laughs> right. No, it's a prequel to the mummy starring Brandon Fraser. 
that would right. be where it goes. Hold on a minute. This this timeline's not adding up. But a lot right. of that is the same for Better Call Saul. They decided not to de-age any of the actors for it. Mm. Which See, they said they did because it would have just cost too much and it would have really thrown the show in jeopardy when it comes to like the cost of the show. Hey, have, have you seen the movie The Irishman? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if you start to do something like that, you run into a situation like, you know that scene where Robert De Niro, he kind of tries to stomp on a guy's hand outside oh, yeah. the flower shop. I'm like, isn't this guy supposed to be in his 30s? Right. Like, like, like y'all got him looking like a whole his age. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> Why does this 30-year-old act like he's 75? <laughs> I'm saying, you don't want to do something like that. Like, that, you, you, you're going you're gonna, to uh, fry yourself in the end. Um, so that's why I didn't do that. Right. But, uh, I loved it, man. Uh, from beginning to end, I feel like this is the best one so far to me. Yeah. Uh, when it I, comes I to, uh, like I said before, we're in the epilogue of better call Saul. Now, you know, mm-hmm. we're literally just seeing what happens after breaking bad at this point. And I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, we had, you know, a confirmation of what happened with Kim a little bit, um, we got a little bit more information about the heist where the one girl gives, uh, Saul like the update or Jimmy Gene gives Gene the update of, you know, what's been going on where he's like, we find out he will actually manage to leave the one he's safe not house stuck there forever. Yeah. He he's wasn't stuck, stuck there forever. Um, I like how they play into that joke. Like, no, he left. He finally left. Yeah, they found out that the police were holding him, you know, without any cause. So he was released. Oh, man, that's funny. Um, man, that chick is so... I I know why she's so cold to him, because she probably saw a lot of disturbing things in that um, welcome room from the, from the Better Call Saul office. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I was like, dude... This man just dropped you off a lot of money just to give him an update. Like, well, when he's on the phone. Keep ahead. in mind, he also had, she mentions this on the phone call, that there were uh, private bank accounts in her name, you know, all over the place. Like, he oh. was hiding money using her and stuff like that. <laughs> Still, he's giving you a lot of bands just to give him an update. Right. Like, you but know, she's so- under constant surveillance now, too. Like... Oh, really? Look, man, all I'm saying is if if some man hid some money in the desert for me to give him an update on his life, I'll narrate his whole autobiography. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll keep I, that I, in I, mind. I'm going to send you uh, 200 miles into the desert so you can collect $10,000 and tell me everything that happened in the last two years. <laughs> well, I mean, after being a tenant for, uh, you know, weird college age students, I'm sure that's probably a, a savant <laughs> for her. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man. Um, yeah, dude, I, I, I loved it the whole way through. And I love how th- here's the perfect thing about the Breaking Bad verse. I like how there's always that moral question of should you or should you not? Mm-hmm. Like it was it was when Walter let Jane die. You know what I'm saying? When um, Creepy Todd shot the kid after the after the train robbery, you know, and it was like my man, one of the people that works for uh, Gene uh says uh listen man i'm not gonna rip off some dude that has cancer like there's a limit to this and saw i mean gene basically says well everybody has some problems we don't know about it's a job Mm -hmm. he's like man i'm not doing this 
Yeah, this and, is the line. Right. And, you know, as the audience, we're on his side. But, you know, Gene, you know, goes back into a slip and Jimmy Ways is like, it's like, no, I got to finish the job. I, mm-hmm. I got nothing left. I can't just go back to Cinnabon and just deal with that. Like this whole episode, I was just screaming, you idiot. You got away scot free. Yeah. Like, you know, and you, you're still caught up because he don't need the money. No, you see him literally just putting the stacks away behind a cabinet. Like, he doesn't use the money at all. He's literally just falling into his ways. Like, I think talking with Kim just pushed him over the edge of realizing he has nothing left to live for anyway. You know, after the last episode where he mentions that his family's dead, you know, he has no wife, he has no one to go home to, he's going to an empty house. What is the point of him living? And he's like, you know what? I can still have fun. And this is how he has his fun is by running these scams. So he goes right back into that lifestyle again in that snap. But he's not even having fun. Like he he's he's at the he's at the the club. He's, you know, waking up in the morning next to hookers and stuff. And there's no smile on his face. Like he's not even having fun. It's another distraction. He's falling back into the distracted life of Saul Goodman. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's a character flaw, man. And uh, it, it's it's great writing. It's great character work. But this whole episode, I was like, man, you got away scot free, dude. I I'm so excited to see where it goes because we have two episodes left, and man, are they they're really crunching this because this is a direction I didn't expect to see. In these last it's, couple episodes, it's definitely a surprise. It's definitely a surprise at how they've been taking this last half of the uh, of the set of the. See, if you watch the, this last season um, as a whole, it would make sense that the second half deals with the present timeline. Right, like, it would make sense as as a whole. Uh, so yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes too. Though I think I think Carol Burnett gonna snitch him out, man. Oh yeah, it, it, her noticing something's up and everything. Uh, but I do love how the episode ended with the flashback to Breaking Bad with him going to the high school and then it cuts to him breaking into the house. Like, literally... That was nice editing. Right. It's showing that he literally is causing his own demise. You know, he's the one that decided to start, you know, picking up Walt to do some more work. Because originally, Mike says, no, he's... He's nothing. He's more of a liability than an asset. He's Don't in, do he's it. He's in over it. You're right. He's in over his head and stuff like that. And I like how that I, I, I like that tie in. Like, you know, he began his demise and now he's hey, he's at the point where he's uh, he's uh, repeating he's it again. He's repeating it again. Yeah. Um, but I love <laughs> I kind of caught something. I know why they didn't. I know why it wasn't said for story for story purposes, but. In that whole moment, I'm like, why didn't Mike bring up the fact that he has a DA agent for a brother-in-law? Like, wouldn't yeah. that be the first red flag? Because I think even Saul would go, DA. Oh, okay. All right. This guy's too crazy. Yeah, I, I'm out for that. <laughs> but I think like, okay, story-wise, I guess we'll just have that as that one minor detail. He just didn't pick up. Right. Well, he also kind of just went... Yeah, his name's Walter White. He works at the high school. He's a chemist. His partner is an old student of his, a flunked out junkie. You know, next. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a concern. It wasn't somebody that he was deep diving into. He just basically went, yeah, this isn't somebody to, you know, take any kind of uh, credit on. Move along. 
Yeah, but he's Mike, though. He does his research. He does. Right? He probably did know it, but it wasn't something that he needed to tell Saul because he was literally giving Saul the cliff notes on him. Okay, I'll I'll buy that. I'll buy that for sake of story. Because um, I'm not trying to be like the real diehard fans. Like, well, wait a minute. That didn't make sense from episode uh, 6B2 yeah. where he said, I was like, come on, man, just have fun. Like, you know. Uh, so I, I'll leave that alone. But um, yeah, man, that was some great editing right there. I like how they kind of flipped that as to how Saw is basically responsible for the creation of Heisenberg. Well, Walter's responsible for the creation of Heisenberg, but Saul got him to where he needed to be. Yeah, Saul is the reason that he got as big as he was. Right. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was a pretty good good editing choice. Yeah. Um, I'm excited, man. I, I, just, I uh, I'm along for the ride at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's only two episodes left. It'd be weird to get off the ride at this point. It's like you're getting to the, you know, top of the hill for the roller coaster and just going, you know what? Just stop it here. I'll walk down. It's fine. You know, I don't want (laughs) to. For something that's so focused on character, it's been getting really tense, man. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't you don't. Well, it's a character driven drama. It's, you know, You, you don't know where this is going, you know, Um, and, you know, with the sneak peek of next episode, I don't know if you watch those. But, you know, they showed they showed a police car showing up somewhere. Yeah, it was just literally two cops getting out of a police car and them shutting the doors. That was it. Yeah. Dude, I love the minimalist uh, uh, on the next episode of such and such uh, that they've been doing for this. More shows need to be like this. Uh, You know, personally, I think Barry does it best where it's always just like a scene where there's no dialogue, but it's just like a close up of somebody's face just sitting like going. And then that's it. That's like two seconds of that it, on the next episode of Barry. Done. Is this just yeah. the, is this is this just the, the last season that went off or it was like that the whole show? I want to say they've been doing that the whole show, but I know for a fact they were doing it the last season at least. Hmm. All right. That's it. Well, that's intriguing. That 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 leads your audience in to see what's coming up. Right. Um. You begin into anything else? Um, well, I know that you started watching The Boys, finally. Yeah, man. I started watching The Boys. I finished season one. I'm, uh, I'm just starting season two. Uh, dude, well, well-written, well-made show, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, written almost too good. And Anthony Starr's performance is a little too good. I know, uh, because I, uh, literally got a text from Anthony at, like, 11 o'clock one night. I saw it the next morning. He was like, hey, man, um, uh, I got a question for you. And I responded like, "Okay, what's going on?" He was like, "So for the boys, does uh, <laughs> Homelander does Homelander ever get his right. like, or does this guy just keep winning?" And then you go, "Well, you want the good news or the bad news?" <laughs> I'm like, nah, "I don't, I don't know if I can keep watching this because he's such a, he's such a, uh, he's perfectly hateable. Yes, and the performance is so great. He's such a disgusting villain, and I'm like, dude, this guy." I, I, if, if Superman was evil, I believe he'd be this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, because like this guy is a so, total psychopath, and it, like is dangerously close to like um, I don't even want to say real life because he does. Because some people tell me in upcoming episodes he does mirror like the Trump campaign and stuff like that. That doesn't even bother me. What bothers Not so me much is, him, but another character, and he jumps on the bandwagon when he realizes it can get him attention. Right, and um, 
the thing is like i'm like someone like this taking over america or being in charge of planet earth is dangerous and it, it mm. just gives you no hope and i'm like dude i know this is a fierce satire but is there is there any hope and then you're like uh well you know it's, it's there's moments like, I mean, it's true. This? It's it's it, it's such a great show, though. Uh, you need to finish it. How far into season two are you? Uh, I think I got to like episode. I'm in the middle of episode two, so I just started it. Oh, okay, so you're but still like, at the beginning of season two. Dude, here, here, here's what kind of like made me almost had that throw the remote at the TV moment. Uh, and I, I I ain't gonna lie, I did kind of laugh about it afterwards. Like, yeah, that is kind of funny, but it, it is so cruel um, when. <laughs> It's funny now. It's funny now. It just wasn't funny when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the blind warrior that could, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> that could like hear. And uh, he's practicing his moves. And you got the lady that took over the old job that Elizabeth Shue had. And she's like, I got a new member for the seven. And he's like, uh, he like, he can hear a mile away or like like 10 miles away or whatever. And he's like, and Homelander's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And so he he meets him. He says, Homelander, uh, it's always been my dream to work with the seven. He says, well, you've had a uh, you've had a terrific uh, adversary that you've had terrific adversaries that you've overcome in your life, young man. And then Homelander had a question like, I just got a question. So what would happen if I just smashes this man's ears to oblivion? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cruel. Like and I, and in the moment, I'm not laughing. I'm like, that's not funny. But now that I think about it. I'm like. If you told that story to somebody, it's funny. Right. When you watch it in a moment, it's just cruel. And I'm like, dude, you're a horrible character. Yeah, like Homelander is terrible. But at that moment, it's like, he do have a point, though. You know, he what kind of hero are you if your weakness is literally just a loud noise or having your ears destroyed and you're done? That's that's the end of your superhero career. And that's the horrible thing about it, because you understand it. Like, yeah. You understand a sick person like this, like, well, yeah, he probably there's pretty, there's really no need for him, you know, because if he can he can get defeated that easy. What's the point? Yeah. Uh, I really hope that you continue watching because I really want to know your thoughts on the rest of the season. Uh, I haven't started season three yet. I need to. But yeah, I finished season two back when it uh basically near when it came out not like right when it came out yeah i just need a minute man because i just gotta <laughs> it because because what just from what everyone's telling me they kind of give me a like well you want the good news or the bad news because he kind of <laughs> does stick a, he kind of does stick around i'm like oh man um because you know it's like some villains are bad but you like you like them because of how complex they are mm-hmm. like 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 gus Gus, is, Gus yeah. was a great adversary for Walter. Oh, he's like, in you know, this show, too. Yeah, yeah. I've seen Giancarlo. Uh, yeah, okay. He's, he's, he's in the boys. I've oh, seen that's him. right. He shows up in season one. Uh, no. Uh, well, no, no. Season one, season finale. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. I was going to um, say, I, he's a big part of season two. I forgot that he showed up in season one. Yeah. But, like, I love Gus in Breaking Bad. You right. know, like, he's a villain that, you, of course, you're on Walter's side because you've seen him from the beginning. But like he's a villain that you want to know more about. I, I don't want to know more about Homelander, man. <laughs> I, I know this guy is the real deal, and I know why Butcher wants to take him down. Right. I I, I, I don't need to know anything else. How do we get this guy down? Um, oh man, I really hope you keep watching because yeah, I, I'm not gonna say that you're gonna start liking Homelander. You're gonna start hating him a lot more for different reasons. <laughs> 
again, I don't know how that. Oh, it, that it's going to really happen. Me, that doesn't really give me incentive to keep watching. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, listen, it's like someone telling me, like, hey, man, does this show get better? Well, uh, it, it, it doesn't become a good show, but there's good moments. I'm not. I'm, no, listen, the boys is a good show, but yeah. I'm saying like it like doesn't become really- like a happy-go-lucky scenario. You know, everybody doesn't walk away going, "Man, that was princesses and rainbows." You're not, you're not really selling me. Keep watching this. You know, um, but I'm enjoying it so far. I, I, I like the writing. I like the characters. Um, it's, it's it's very interesting. I'll say that. Yeah, uh, I will say there's there's a lot of great scenes. I think the finale of season two is really well done when it comes to like yeah. bringing everything together for the season. Cause mm. there's a lot of things that happen in the season. They're just like, I didn't like that. Oh, that better be solved. And they solve it all pretty well where you're just like, okay, that was good. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I, that's kind of what I've been hearing about this last season finale. Like, you know, hero gasm in the episode after it, they said like, man, that was just, that was a great finale. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's what intrigued me to get back into it. I, I had always planned to watch it again. I had just been slipping a little bit. Yeah, I'm curious um, how like to the comics they stayed with that whole thing, but uh, I'll, I'll watch it sometime and find out. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. What well, I said for me, you all set? I think I'm all set. All right, y'all. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, this has been another great episode of DFV, and uh, y'all take care.